0: Welcome to fucking canceled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. In today's episode, we discuss tolerance, organizing based on shared principles, living in a pluralistic society, and the ontology of NASCAR versus stick and pokes. Bonjour, hi. Bonjour, hi. Bonjour, hi. Tout la journée, man, it goes. Bonjour, hi. Bonjour, hi.
1: Bonjour, hi. Tout la journée, man, it goes. Bonjour. Hi, bonjour, hi, bonjour, hi, toute la journée, man, it goes Bonjour, hi, bonjour, hi, bonjour, hi, toute la journée, man, it goes Welcome back to fucking Cancelled Welcome back to fucking
0: Cancelled
1: um, So before we begin, let's get into some announcements
0: yeah, we have a couple of announcements. I have a new website.
1: That's very nice. Um,
0: which, actually, I guess by the time this episode comes out, it won't be that new. But, um, yeah, I had so much drama with Substack. I was trying to be a Substacksman. Yeah. And it was not working because uh, of a lot of bullshit with Stripe, uh, the company that does credit card processing for them. So, anyways, I ended up just buying a domain and making my own website um, that you can support my work at. Um or just uh, read my stuff. Some of it's behind a paywall, some of it's free. Um, But yeah, it's JLosole.com. Amazing. And uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And um, I wrote a new article recently and put it on my website and also put it on the Patreon. So there's a new article up there.
1: Um, What's the article called?
0: It's called um, Nothing Changes If Nothing Changes. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. Honestly, it started out as kind of like this bitchy, um, like, just article about me complaining about how like I'm not a contrarian and like I'm not um I'm not politically homeless and I know what I think and like people who call themselves politically homeless are whack and we should all just be socialists and blah blah, blah. and then basically I ended up just sort of being like I feel depressed about this article because I'm being kind of like a bitch and um <laughs> I'm not like like giving enough sort of like grace to people and enough room for people to grow the way that I've grown and um not extending enough solidarity to people who I disagree with, basically. So um, I ended up like kind of rewriting the whole thing from the point of view of um, my sort of spiritual beliefs and the way that I like to think about spirituality and togetherness and solidarity. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good article. I'm very proud of it.
1: Amazing. And as Jay mentioned, we do have a Patreon. Um, Thank you to the patrons for supporting us. We really appreciate it. Um, We're trying to get in the habit of reminding everybody that we have a Patreon on every episode. Um, It costs us money to make the podcast. We pay for editing of the episodes. We pay for transcriptions. Um, You can also find the transcriptions for free on Patreon. You don't have to be a patron to access them, but if you just go onto the Patreon Um, We attach the transcriptions to each episode um, as the transcriptions become available. Um, So that's the kind of thing that um, the Patreon money is funding, as well as just being able to pay ourselves for this work, because it is actually quite a lot of work being, (laughs) first of all, creating the content for the podcast, but also being the sort of like public face of... um, the opposition to cancel culture. It's like a full-time job, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for uh, your support.
0: Yeah, we do really, really appreciate we it. We really
1: appreciate it. Yeah. And what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I also have a new zine that came out. Um, I wasn't going to mention on the podcast, but now that I think about it, I'm like, it actually is relevant. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a short scene, and it is called I Want to Feel Alive Again at All Costs, and basically like I realized that since being canceled in 2020, like I have not done any new creative nonfiction writing, or like I've tried and I've just not been able to go through with it, you know? And I I really hit a breaking point in my creative practice after being canceled in the middle of COVID, and just having two years of like completely you know, just one thing after another, you know, having a really hard time and trying to figure out who I am and where my voice fits now. Um, prior to being canceled, like I was mainly known not as a controversial Instagrammer or podcaster, but as a, creative nonfiction writer. Like, I was known for my zines. Yeah. Um, My zine series, Fucking Magic, which is now released as a book. Um, And I've always done these these types of zines. It's, like, really important to me. But I have not been able to figure out how to do it since all of this happened. And so I basically was like, I'm overthinking this. I need to just, like, make a zine, even if it's just, like, a one-off zine. And so this is the zine that I made. Um, If you're interested in reading some of my new writing, you can check it out. Um, And a lot of it is like content-wise kind of about the aftermath of cancellation and like trying to rebuild your life and not just your life but like your desire to f- to live and to feel alive you know to have the spark come back after after all of this insanity so yeah you can get that um at clementinemorgan.com um and if you want to buy fucking canceled merch such as a fucking canceled mug <laughs> which you can subtly serve your date. um, Their morning coffee? Their morning coffee in. (laughs) (laughs) You can get that at um, fuckingcancel.bigcartel.com as well as um, Jay's zines and some of my zines and... um, stickers and so on. Yeah. So I feel like those are announcements.
0: Also our zine, um, Refusing Accountability. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which possibly we might be out of stock on right now, but... We, we
0: have a couple left, but we not, will, not too many. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll restock soon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think that's about it for announcements. Um, today we are going to um, be talking about the value of tolerance, um, or the principle, I should say, of tolerance. And last time we did an episode about principles, um, we just kind of freestyled it, mm-hmm. um, kind of as an experiment to see what it's like if we don't, you know, structure things too, too much. Um, and it actually went really well, I think. And we got a lot of positive feedback from, from that episode. So we decided to just kind of like do that again. So.
1: Yeah, we're probably going to do our principal episodes as freestyle episodes. Yeah. So buckle up because yeah. we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're pretty much just talking about tolerance today, without too much of uh, too much of anything. But I did find a cool quote from Voltaire that I'm going to read right now because I liked it. Um, Voltaire said, "What is tolerance? It is the consequence of humanity. We are all formed of frailty and error. Let us pardon reciprocally each other's folly." And I really like that because it just speaks to um, like a concept that's very important in my kind of spiritual outlook which is just that we are all very uh fucked (laughs) and (laughs) we all do very stupid bad things and we all believe things that are wrong and you know hold on to stupid ideas and you know take actions that we disagree with later and we all learn and we grow and that is literally just part of the human condition there's no one who is exempt from that I think um and so to be like completely intolerant of other people's um, stupid idiotness is uh, a bit silly, yeah, and counterproductive, and also you know doesn't leave room open to be compassionate to ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and is hypocritical, and just like is not really in line with the way that the world actually functions, you know, and so it's always been important to me to at least try to be um, tolerant of people that I really dislike or I you know. I don't like their ideas or I disagree with them very strongly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think the way you're talking about tolerance right now is like connected to the concept of grace, like extending grace or yeah, you would agree with that, right? Yes. And also sort of like, um, approaching people with generosity, Mm -hmm. um, and, and not sort of assuming The worst of people because they're acting in a way that you don't like. Kind of putting them in the context of their whole human personhood.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think part of it, too, is just like accepting that something that I currently believe with absolute conviction is true and real, I might in 10 years no longer believe.
1: And it's wacky how that's really true, eh?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely true. And so I just, I find it really hard to act as though... I'm fucking right all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, or rather, I should say, I, it comes very easily to me to pretend that I'm right all the time. But like, I recognize that I'm not necessarily. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think that like having some some degree of doubt in my own convictions mm. is really important for me. Um,
1: and this is connected to
0: humility. This is this is connected to humility. But it's also just like when I think about someone. You know who I politically disagree with, or or spiritually disagree with, or whatever. Um, it's important for me to be tolerant of them, you know, because I like I'm not sure if I'm right about everything. Like,
1: yeah, you know? I think that's really true, and I I actually think yeah, pulling out the connection between tolerance and humility is an interesting one mm-hmm. um, because it's actually so true. Like, you know, so much of what goes on in the nexus, and also just on the left broadly. Is this infighting over very sort of like, like even amongst people who you could like, you could agree on like some very, um, some very basic core shared beliefs, right? Yeah. The idea about like, how do we get there? That people are so Mm. sure that they're right, um, that they are like totally willing to like attack and shut down those who actually like have so much in common. And like we are in this episode gonna be talking about extending tolerance like way beyond that. Yeah. Um but even in that like kind of closed circle of people who like more or less agree on like the basics, um, there's such a lack of humility. Like in fact, like I think the the Nexus encourages like a kind of arrogance that is like shocking to me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um because I'm like it comes across as really conceited like you personally have come up with all of the answers
0: for sure and I mean honestly like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come on and say that it's not just the nexus right like this arrogance and this like total certainty in your own ideas is you know very widespread um kind of always has been I think it's just like people are kind of like that if they're not very thoughtful you know um and but yeah I mean we we do Um, we do have a focus on this podcast on talking about the left, so it makes sense that we're talking about it that way. But, like, yeah, there's always going to be people who are like that, right? I
1: do feel like it's very much a feature, though, of the Nexus. Like, I think it exists elsewhere, like, for sure, absolutely. I think it's part of being stubborn and not wanting to admit that you don't know everything is, like, very human, you know? Yeah. Um, But there's, like, a way in which in the Nexus it's become, like, codified or something Mm. to be that way. Yeah, That, That it's, like, actually... It's seen as, like, harm to even admit that there could be another perspective. Right. Even because it's it's dogma. Yeah, it's dogma. Exactly. There right. we go. It's yeah.
0: dogmatic. And so, like, yeah. religious groups will act that way. And also, yeah. like, honestly, a lot of sort of, like, Marxist-Leninist sects that mm-hmm. I've been familiar with have also acted that way where they're just like, they act like it's completely obvious that everyone in their right mind would agree with their like particular take yeah. on some, like some sort of like Leninist dogma. And, yeah. and it's just like, okay, well, you know, um, there might be different ways to think about <laughs> totally. that, that particular issue. You know? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I remember being 16 years old and being in my queer alternative school that I've talked about, um, on this podcast and it was like a very woke space and or like woke didn't exist yet but it was a very nexus space um and my teacher I was a very like difficult and stubborn child and to be honest like somebody should have just helped me because I was clearly like very not doing okay but instead they constantly argued with me um and tried to like debate me on things but I remember my teacher trying to talk to me about something about how I was always being so difficult and I told her like very confidently that like I had figured it all out (laughs) you know what I mean like All the political issues, I thought them through. Like, I really understood it, you know? And I feel like that is, like, a very teenage way of thinking.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, okay, like, I have thought of everything that nobody else has thought of before, um, and now we're done. And then I think part of maturing is, like, actually coming across experiences and, like, other points of view that are constantly challenging you to be like, oh, shit, like, I'm profoundly changing my mind.
0: For sure. I think it's about finding a balance between... Conviction, which is important, yeah, and you know a healthy dose of humility in your own ideas, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, well, so there's probably like going to be a few different ways that we're going to talk about tolerance as we are following these these threads. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up about tolerance is I remember um, going back even further in time from when I was 16 to probably when I was like maybe. 14 or 15, before I had dropped out of high school and moved to Toronto, when I was in my small town high school, there was like a um, poster that was put up that said, don't hate, tolerate. Mm. And I remember that at this time in the early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s, the idea of tolerance as like a leftist value was quite popular. Um, yeah. and around things like gays, like the, you know, that was around the time that like, you know, in a few years, like same sex marriage would be like legalized in Canada.
0: Right.
1: Um, so this idea of like tolerance towards people who are different from yourself is like an important value. Right. Um, and that quickly became problematic.
0: Or outmoded, yeah. Yeah.
1: Within, and not just like outmoded, but like <clears throat> it actually became seen as like a crime. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, to say that you were tolerant, like, people would immediately be like, that's oppressive. Like, because you can't just tolerate. You have to, like, accept and celebrate and, like, embrace, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I've been thinking about that um, because, you know, as I studied all the Nexus rules and I kind of, like, immediately knew all the correct takes and, like, the right thing that I was supposed to say in response to everything Mm -hmm. through my Nexus training – sort of calling out the fact that tolerance is, like, not enough was, like, a basic, simple, easy point to get. Right. You know? Um, and I'm interested in revisiting that. Because I'm, like, for sure, it's great if we could, like, accept and embrace um, others. But is that always possible Um in all circumstances? Obviously not. And if it isn't, you know cuz i guess to me i'm i'm thinking you know if we are t- if we are living in a pluralistic society mm-hmm. if we are living in a society that values difference that is not about like homogeneity and conformity but is instead about respect for difference and understanding that people are not the same as each other yeah um then this idea that we are all going to like openly and like 100% embrace the ideas, choices, lifestyles, actions, worldviews of others. Yeah. It seems like you can't have both, right? Yeah. You either have conformity or you have this kind of tension where, like, difference is existing side by side. Um, and people aren't, like, 100% down with what other people are doing, but they're tolerating it.
0: For sure. There's a lot of people that I'm not 100% down with, I have to say. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, I tolerate okay. them. It reminds me of that meme that's, like, some, it's, like, it's, like, a, I think it's, like, a Muslim woman in, like, a hijab, like, sitting next to, like, a drag queen oh, like, yeah. on, like, the New York subway, and, and it's, like, does the future liberals want? Yeah. And it's, like, unironically, like, yes, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it it's It's true that it's really interesting how we went from understanding tolerance to be, like, an important sort of, like, civic virtue to basically being, like, It's like not like I don't know. It's not like edgy enough to tolerate or something. Yeah. Um. But I think that a big part of that is that we on the left were thinking of ourselves as the ones who needed to be tolerated, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? And and so we're like, you can't just tolerate me. You have to love me and accept me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, fine. Totally. But it's like, what about us? Like, we also need to. Tolerate people, and it's like I'm not going to celebrate and accept, or yeah, like celebrate and embrace, like a, you know, like a turf or like a Zionist, or you know, like a conservative or whatever, you know, or like even you know, like a, a very religious like immigrant or like whatever, you know, like th- their beliefs. Th- Like, of any of those groups, like, are not beliefs that I share, you know what I mean? Um, And I shouldn't have to celebrate them. Like, there's no reason for me to celebrate them. But there is reason for me to tolerate them. Because I live in, like, a a pluralistic society. It's multipoled and multipolar and, like, has these different groups in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it makes sense for us to um think about tolerance as an important value if we want to live together in that society
1: yeah and I think that this comes back to the arrogance right because it's like of course you know I'm just like how convenient for us you know to be like we have positioned ourselves as sort of like the arbiter of what is correct you know and so you must tolerate us but like for us to tolerate you would be violence. Right. Right. Because you're oppressive and wrong, you know, is quite convenient. Um, it's, <laughs> it's quite convenient. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like, I think the nexus at least has an approach that's actually like incredibly condemning of, um, of difference that it doesn't like, you know, yeah. it has very little tolerance for difference that it doesn't like. Um, and I'm also just like, you know, if you want to find common ground with people, or you want to figure out, like, where you might be able to work together and to work towards solidarity, approaching people with, like, condemnation and contempt is, like, a surefire way to fail at that, you know? People don't like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like, we're, like, overshooting our shot, you know? Like, by demanding that people embrace, um, we are, we're pushing them pretty hard, you know, oftentimes, right? And actually I think that way more people are open to the idea of tolerating yes. um, than they are to the idea of embracing things that they fundamentally disagree with. Right? Yeah. Um, and I actually think that, yeah, approaching people um, with the value of tolerance in mind, rather than this sort of like this injunction to embrace things that they disagree with, like really opens the door to a lot more, well, <laughs> to a lot more tolerance. Right. Like it, it opens the door to having political alliances with people that normally we wouldn't be allied with. You know, mm-hmm. um, it opens the door to actually getting to know people enough that they might start to dismantle some of you know some of their beliefs that might be a little bit regressive or bigoted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's an important an important tool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: um, it's like I think we've mentioned this on the pod before, but I can't remember who it was, but somebody pointed out. That, um, in terms of like trans issues and trans rights, a, a way to talk about them to conservatives, especially of conservatives with the more like libertarian ilk, mm. is to point out that it is everyone's right to express themselves like however yeah. they see fit, right? Yeah, and that it's not the place of the state or anyone else to police that. it's, yeah. a, it's a matter of self-expression and. Now a lot of people on the left would take issue with that, saying it's not just a matter of self-expression. It's like a matter of like deep, like felt like like selfhood, you yeah. Know, whatever. And it's like that's fine and that may well be. But like if you're trying to get someone to agree with you or agree with your right to do what it is that you want to do framing it in terms that they understand it, that they value yeah. um is like a really good way to do that and a lot of people most people value the freedom of expression as an important and foundational value of like Western society blah, yeah. blah, blah you know and so framing things that way is a good way to get them on board with with what it is that you want to do and I think that it's a lot the same thing with with tolerance you know like a lot of people grew up thinking of tolerance like as like an important value right yeah. even people who are quite conservative and stuff you know yeah. who might not even think of themselves as being like very tolerant people but like a lot of people will be like like, and we even make fun of lines like this, but people will be like, well, as long as you don't like make me do anything, like I'm fine with whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And people are like, I don't care if you're blue, purple, whatever. right, you know? right, um, right, like this kind of thing. And we like, <laughs> we like make fun of it, but actually like there is, there is something there that we can, that we, that we can like hook into, you know, yeah. there's something there that we can work with, which totally. is, which is that like, if you really believe that, you know, other people's business is not your business, then that's something that we can definitely work with if we're trying to like work on this, this pluralistic society together.
1: Yeah. There's something that I want to express, but I'm like, I don't know if I can express it, Hmm. but (laughs) it's like, I think, you know, sometimes when we are making our arguments or whatever, or we are, um, we are making our demands or, or whatever, we sort of have a blind spot that like the very way that we are framing the world is a position that we are taking mm-hmm. and that it isn't shared, that it isn't like that many things that, that we, and by we, I, I could mean like Nexons or I could mean sort of like, um, like the vaguely like secular Western, like
0: progressive, like
1: progressive way of looking at things. Right. That we are sort of like, like for, you were saying the thing about like that, that being trans is like this, like deeply felt internal like identity or something like this. Right. And that this is coming out of this like, this like entirely like complex set of intersections of assumptions about the world, you know, about what identities even mean, you know, um and right. why identities are important and, and all of this. Right.
0: Or that there's such a thing as like gender.
1: Yeah, all all this kind of stuff. Like there's there's so much there. Um, there's so many different pieces that are coming together to create the worldview in which that statement can be made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of assumptions, right? And if you're trying to, to have that conversation with someone who is coming from an entirely different set of assumptions, and I'm especially thinking here like about religious worldviews. Yeah. Like if I'm talking to somebody who is like deeply religious, yeah, they are holding an entirely different set of assumptions yeah. about like what even the world is and like what people are and like what we're doing here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with religion, at least um, in the nexus, we sort of, the Nexons have at least found tolerance to some extent in some contexts with the question of religion, obviously not at all.
0: Right.
1: Um. But I do think that because certain experiences of religion intersect with certain ex- other experiences that the nexus values, such as um being racialized, right. Um. They will therefore be tolerant of religious worldviews that, in other contexts, they're super not tolerant of. Right. So, like for example. The nexus will be quite tolerant of um, religious expression for Muslims, right. right? Because they are like, Muslims are like a marginalized group in the context of the West, and yep. they want...
0: Oppressed, racialized. Yeah, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So they're like, you know, we need to be really accepting of this. Um, well, maybe not accepting, but at least tolerant. Because if you were actually yeah, going yeah, yeah. to talk to like a, you know, um, a non-binary, blue-haired, like you know like secular western nexon about the deeply held religious views of this muslim person they actually would probably really be not down like if you were actually going to unpack the specific content of what this person believes about the world right? right
0: like if you broke it down to into like a series of statements yeah like they would not be they would not agree with like nearly so, any of them right
1: so they don't actually like they don't embrace it Right. You know, they're not embracing it. They're not, they're not sharing it. They're not taking it on in that way, but they're tolerating it. They're being able to say, okay, this person is different from me, but they have the right to be who they are. Right. 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 That's what tolerance is. Yes. And so, but when it comes to like, for example, a, um, like a Christian from like, I don't know, the Southern United States or something who has like these very, like whatever, like intense religious views, um... Like, the nexus cannot tolerate that. No. Right? Um, and I do think that it's, like, interesting and kind of, like, hypocritical of the nexus to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because, actually, if you were to, like, strip away a lot of the... Like, they're both Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're coming... There's a, actually probably a lot of similarities in the content. I'm not a religious... There are. I'm not a religious scholar. Yeah. But, like, my assumption would be that there's a lot of shared stuff between, you know, like, somebody who is a deeply, like... You know, a devout Christian and somebody who's like a deeply devout Muslim for sure. would actually probably have more in common in their core beliefs about the world than than a secular Nexen.
0: Yeah, in right. Man, in many ways. For in sure. many ways, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so, like, it is a bit hypocritical, but this is the way that the identitarian thing um, kind of like skews the ways the way that the Nexens like apply these ideas.
0: Yeah, it works out in funny ways.
1: Um, but yeah, all of that was to say that, like, you know. I think it's very, again, like very, it's like arrogant and it's also ignorant to sort of be like, I need everybody here to be talking about this on the same page as me and Mm. to be holding the same core assumptions about the world. And if you aren't holding those core assumptions about the world, then you're, you're like bad and wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, And you need to be silenced and you need to learn because you're oppressing me by having views that are like fundamentally different from mine, right? Yeah,
0: or you're oppressing marginalized people by having views that are fundamentally different than mine. While, like, you know, that you might very well be, like, literally speaking to a marginalized person as you say that, right? Right. So, I'm just going to, like, unpack the thesis of, like, an article I wrote a while back because I think it's, like, very relevant to this discussion. And so, the article is called um, uh, Socialists Should Not Be Afraid of Organizing Conservative Workers. And... It was based on this like trend that I kept seeing on like certain like anti-work like Reddit forums, right? Um, where people were sort of like going like I would never organize with a conservative, right. you know? Like unions are a socialist thing; they're a leftist thing. Like unions should not even be like open to like conservative workers if they're even in a union. Then they're not really conservative, like whatever, you know? Like yeah. just people getting like very intense about this. Probably like teenagers mostly <laughs> who like, right. don't even have a job, but like whatever. Um, lots of people believe something along those lines, right? In the states, it's like really part of the culture war, um, and. That definitely, like, infects Canada as well. And people are just, like, very sure that they would never organize with a conservative worker. Now, um, conservatives make up, you know, roughly, like, a half to a third of the population, sort of depending how you define things. Right. Um, And so that's one thing. The, The other thing, though, is that a lot of these people would be, like, the reason why I would never organize with a conservative worker is that conservatives, by definition, are bigoted towards brown people, women, Muslims. Right. You know, whatever. Um, and therefore, to like even have them organizing with you is to put those categories of people like in danger. Right. right. Yes. Um, and so what I called this was vulgar intersectionalism, which is made, a word that I totally made up. Um, but I just use it to, um, to talk about this concept that people have where they're like, um, if you are – Oppressed or marginalized on any of the axes of identity, yeah. that must mean that your beliefs are progressive and anti-oppressive ones, right? Um, and which is
1: fundamentally absurd. Which is
0: fundamentally absurd and not true. <laughs> <laughs> like as anyone who's ever had a real job or worked in the world knows, yeah, it's not true. Yeah, um, and 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 inversely. That if you are not oppressed on any of these axes, let's say you're a straight white male, that your um, views must therefore be, like, more oppressive, right? Yeah. And so they just assume that that's how the world works. Yeah. Um, and and therefore, they assume that that something called a conservative must right. be, basically, a straight white guy, maybe a straight white woman. Right. Um, from the U.S. wearing, like, a checked shirt and, like, a red MAGA hat, you know? Right. Um, and so the thing that is like, so, I mean, there's many things that are really ridiculous about this, but one of the things that's really, really ridiculous about this is that it ignores the fact that like huge numbers of people who are, for example, black or who are Muslim or whatever, um, have views that if you, again, like if you put them out like statement by statement, the things that they believe they would very much qualify as conservative, like on many levels. Right. Um, and those people, Uh, need to be in unions (laughs) and they need to be like part of the socialist movement if we can bring them into the fucking socialist movement. Like we absolutely should, you know? Um, And to pretend that that something called a conservative is only um – only, like, a, a white man or whatever, like, yeah. is, is completely at all just reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: okay. Yeah, that was definitely a bit of a tangent. No, it's but. okay.
1: It just – we can keep going, but I'll – I just wanted to bring up Chris Smalls saying um, it's not a Democrat thing, it's not a Republican thing, it's
0: a workers thing. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. God, I love that guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, so, to sort of, like, just tie back to tolerance <laughs> real quick, it's, like, um, if you do want to – like, if you truly believe that you want to, you know, stand up for, like, Muslim immigrants, let's yeah. say. Like, I hate to break it to you, but, again, yeah, like, you're going to have to uh, learn to be tolerant yeah. of people's beliefs, you yeah. know? Like, otherwise, you're going to be sort of, like, um, getting along for, like, five minutes until someone... And, you know, I'm just using Muslim as an example, but there's lots of different, like, categories at this yeah. point. It could be someone's, like, he- like very deeply Catholic, like, Mexican grandma or something, exactly. you know? yeah. Um, and as soon as they're, like, well, you know, like you know, they don't know anything about pronouns or like they, they think that like gays are icky or whatever it is, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're going to run up against a fucking wall, like pretty yeah. quick, you know? And basically both of you are going to have to practice tolerance yeah. in, in that circumstance. And and the working class, which is a multiracial, yeah. multi-ethnic, yeah. like multi-communal class n- needs to practice tolerance Internally, yeah. in order to wage class struggle against the yeah. ruling class.
1: It's actually, tolerance is fundamental for solidarity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and so, yeah, I'm just, I want to be a little philosophical about it all, you know? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Because I guess, sort of like, bringing it back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, like, you know, if we are going to have this assumption that, you know, tolerance is not enough and we need to fully embrace you know each other, but we are admitting that that people who are making this argument are actually saying we want you to fully embrace me, right. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. we are not going to be fully embracing these other things. But we don't have to because those other things are oppressive. And I personally just happen to be the arbiter of like you know what is and is not oppressive. Mm-hmm. Like all of that is also coming from this place of like wanting to reach a shared worldview, mm. and. I'm just thinking about how – first of all, that seems impossible to actually get – how many people are on this planet? There's billions of them. Um,
0: (laughs) We're up to about, like, eight now.
1: Okay, to get all of those people to, like, agree on, like – like, philosophers have been out here – arguing, debating, wondering, thinking about so many things for so long, right? Yeah, like, yeah. We, have, we have a lot of open questions about, like, for example, the nature of existence. <laughs> um, What the hell is going on, right? Yeah. Like, there's a really, really a lot of open questions. And, like, different people throughout history and, and currently and throughout many different cultures and all throughout the world have been grappling with these questions and answering them differently. Yeah. You know?
0: We're all very confused. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it's like there's... People have obviously been trying to figure out what's going on and they've been developing different ways of doing that. And those different ways of of doing that have like deep lineages that have existed for, you know, in some cases, thousands and thousands of years that people hold very deeply to their their core sense of self and also their core sense of like being in the world, right? And it's not to say that those things can't shift. Like obviously they can, like people go through major changes in their life and sometimes they like reject belief systems or they um, alter belief systems that they once held as very important to them. But again, I'm just sort of like, it seems like a major project, first of all, to get 8 billion people on the same page about the basic questions of reality. Like, first of all, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to actually happen. So it seems like a waste of time. Um, And secondly, wouldn't that also flatten so much about what is beautiful about the world? The fact that we are not all the same; that we do not, we are not homogenous, one size fits all. That we are actually all thinking beings who are grappling with things and are coming up with different ways of understanding the world, mm. right? And so, basically, like I guess, I'm going to bring this back in a controversial way to the to the trans stuff that you were that you're mentioning before.
0: I love controversy.
1: Okay, so basically, the way that I think about tolerance with regard to religion, right, is that I'm like, I definitely do not believe in the things that people of, like, Abrahamic religions believe for the most part. Like, yeah. there's a lot of what their worldview is that I don't agree with. Yeah, And in fact, some some of the ways that um, that those worldviews get expressed or carried out, I might actually have some problems with, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I certainly, on like a, on an ontological level, can okay. I say that? Okay, you
0: can. <laughs> you can say that.
1: I don't agree. You know what I mean? Like, I don't agree that, like, that the world was sort of, like, thought into existence by, like, this guy <laughs> and, like, and that, like, you know, all of that. Yeah. And that's, like, a shared thing, right, of the Abrahamic religions, this sort of God up in the sky kind of idea. And so I don't agree with that. It just doesn't seem true to me. I don't agree with it. That's fine. And I... I cannot agree with that and also at the same time simultaneously be very respectful to people who hold that as a very important truth to them of which there are many, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I can um, allow those people to live in the world as if that is true. Yeah, because for them it is true. Yeah. Um, And I can I can say I don't agree with it, but but I, I see that you do and it's fine it doesn't prevent me from being in a respectful sort of dialogue about that, right? Yeah. And so like my like controversial hot take about trans stuff is that okay, even within trans discourse inside the nexus, mm-hmm. there is internal debate Oh, a lot. There's a lot of internal debate about what even it means to be trans. Yeah. What is, what does it mean? Like, you know, is it just the existence of dysphoria? You know, like there's like all of the debate around people who are called like trans medicalists versus people who have like a more broader understanding of what it means to be trans. Yeah. There's like all sorts of internal debate happening in there, you know? And so it's almost like people don't agree. Wow. It's almost as if there is a... There are some fundamental disagreements.
0: Ontological ones, even
1: (laughs) about what it means to be trans. Yeah. Um, even amongst trans people themselves, and even within um uh even within the left and even within like progressive spaces that fundamentally are extremely pro-trans rights. Yeah. Right? That there's very big disagreements about what it means to be trans. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you step outside of that, obviously people who are not inside that world, who are not trans, or who, you know, don't really know any trans people or who are coming from like totally different Mm worldviews with different understandings of gender. Mm -hmm. Like they probably also do not, we're not on the same page, right? We are not on the same page. And so I think, and I think that this is like, this is my controversial take, but I think that the question is not, you know, are we all going to get on the same page? Are we all going to understand what it means to be trans in the exact same way? And that anything else is just violence but it's like, can we treat human beings with respect and dignity and allow for them to have autonomy, even if we don't agree with them about the way that they see themselves in the world right 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 and so like this is like and i I honestly think that in the nexus, I think that, like a lot of a lot of people just if they were listening would have like a really emotional reaction to what I just said because it's seen as like very oppressive. If somebody, for example, is like, I don't see, for example, like, I don't believe that non-binary genders exist. Right. Or I don't actually think that it is possible to transition. I think that the biological sex is real sex or whatever. Right. right? right, Like these things are seen as deeply, deeply, deeply offensive and transphobic. Yeah. And to me, I'm just sort of like, why does it matter what some random person thinks on an ontological level? I hate that I'm saying that word, but, like, you know, on a level of, like, meaning, you know, yeah. about, like, what is the real, like, a- a essence and of reality mm-hmm. about whether or not this person is non-binary or is a man or is a woman, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. What matters is are you treating that person with dignity and respect and treating them the way that they want to be treated in the world? Or are you being fucking disrespectful and dehumanizing them?
0: Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, this is something that we run up against a lot on the left because we've been, I'll put it this way. We've been out of power and far from power for so long Mm. um, that we like really don't think about things in terms of policy very often. Um, We think about things in terms of like, I guess, like winning arguments on the internet. Right. Yes. (laughs) yes. You know, Um, and whatever, like winning arguments on the internet I don't care about that. I yeah. mean, like, you know, it's it doesn't change much about the world. Um, maybe you could say that it influences culture on some yeah. level, you know, probably does a little bit, bit by bit. But um, in terms of policy, there's where you start running into issues like what you were just talking about. Because it's like, if we want to, let's say, like give trans people a good and dignified life, mm-hmm. Uh, does it matter what people think about their gender? Yeah, you know, like does it have to matter? I'll put it that way. You know, like is it possible to give trans people a good and dignified life uh, while still having millions of people who don't agree on a fundamental level with like their the, the self perceptions of these people? Right. And I think that it probably is.
1: I think that it totally is. You know,
0: and for the same reason that it's okay, that it's possible to give you know Christians a good and yeah. meaningful life without agreeing. With their Abrahamic worldview and what they think about their genders and whatever. Yeah.
1: And there's one other thing I want to say about this. And it's like, I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Like, if you talk to cis people, all right, which I'm sure you do. I have. From time to time. Yeah. Cis people also don't agree necessarily about their genders. No. Because there are some cis people who are, like, you know, for example, being a man or being a woman is, like, a deep ontological fact of my life. Like, I, de- I definitely am, and de- this is very true for me, mm-hmm. right? And it's, like, it's felt, it's, like, maybe they, they, they conceptualize it as, like, a spirit or a soul or something like that, right? Yeah,
0: earth goddess, like, stuff and, like.
1: Yeah, but not even just that. Like, like, not even, like, what is attached to it. But just that, like, if they were to, like, take their soul out of their body, their soul would be a woman. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Like there are people who feel that way about who their gender. That way, yeah. Like that that they are in essence a man or a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that there are trans people who feel that way. Right. And there are cis people who feel that way. Right. And I would say that there are trans people who do not feel that way. And there are cis people who do not feel that way. Right. Like, there are some cis people who are just like, it's just like a wacky bunch of stuff that's going on. You know? <laughs> like, it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's true for cis people and for trans people. So I also think sometimes when we get caught up in these really intense sort of, like, limiting definitions about what it means to be trans that like trans is only this all trans people feel this way and it's like very important that everybody else feel this way too otherwise you're being transphobic right i think it just like actually flattens the like the robust differences that exist among human beings about the way that we relate to really loaded and complex like categories like gender you know and i think that that diversity of of thought about it and experience about it is not just it's it's not just that i'm saying that it's only trans people who might you know have different ideas about whether or not gender is like innate for them or really really important or like essential but that in fact Cis people feel that way too. Yeah. You know, there's there's cis women who are like, I don't care about the fact that I'm a woman. Like sure I am, I guess, but like it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And sure. there's others that are like, it's like so it's like fundamental to who I am.
0: For sure. Right? For sure. And but also like even what people mean by woman when they talk about totally. being a woman or not. Like, you know, there's yeah. there's like because there's like, you know, very like intense like ra- like radical feminists and yeah. stuff who are like, I know I'm a woman and then like being a woman is very important to them, yeah. but not in the sense of like a soul that they like right. they feel is like a feminine soul, but in the sense of like an oppression that they feel is forced upon them you know what I mean and like you know so even even there like it yeah yeah
1: words mean different things yeah yeah
0: yeah um so (laughs) 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 yes so it is important to tolerate I'm looking and to see if I have any other notes written down about this um I guess we didn't talk about tolerance in the context of uh, the 12 steps. Okay. Which is like an interesting thing to talk about too.
1: Yeah. So in the big book, um, there is a line that says, love and tolerance of others is our code. We have ceased fighting anyone or anything, even alcohol. Mm. This is interesting. I think we can unpack this a bit. Um, Because I think that this, um, this kind of gets at a different a different kind of angle on tolerance because, you know, and and the objections to tolerance because before we were talking about how the objections to tolerance, you know, within the nexus is that, you know, you can't just tolerate people. You have to like embrace and accept them. Um, But here with, with the way that the big book is talking about that, we have ceased fighting anyone or anything, even alcohol. I think that this is um, also something that, that nexons get mad about which is that basically if you're not fighting i mean how do you feel about that that statement if if we we cease fighting everything and everyone even alcohol i mean it's a pretty intense statement and i think that people and i can understand why will feel perhaps a bit um challenged by that because it's like while we do have to fight right like what about capitalism what about climate change and for nexons you know they will have all of their various, um, symbolic struggles that they're caught up in, um, that they feel it's very, very impor- important to fight those things out. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, what does it mean to practice tolerance in this
0: framing? Right. Honestly, I feel complicated about it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I knew you would, especially yeah. cause you're tattooed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a tattoo. This has changed the things you can't accept. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel complicated about it, but I can think about it in different ways, though, you know, because, like, there's different there's different kinds of, like, ways of of fighting, you know? I can definitely say that one of the ways that I have, quote-unquote, fought in the past against things that I don't like is I thought really hard about them in my head. Right. <laughs> I got mad about them in my head, and, and I felt yeah. like that was fighting, you know? Yeah. But that doesn't do anything. Yeah. It just makes me feel angry. Yeah. And, and fills me with cortisol and, like, yeah. you know? Um, and a lot of the time, like when we, when we think about like being, we're against things or like, right. we're, you know, we're for other things or whatever, we're really just, we're talking about like stuff that we believe in our heads and, you know, yeah. that has no like measurable impact on the outside world at all. And I think that like, yeah, I think that there, there's definitely a way in which to be serene and to live like a good and happy life is to stop fighting in your own head, things that are outside of your own head, you know, and right. to just, and to just like accept the world as it is now. You know, obviously, this gets to some of the roots of sort of like what people have trouble with in 12 steps, but also what people have trouble with in general when they're trying to sort of like come to a spiritual place, um, which is that like, to accept things is not to co-sign them, right. you know, to yes. accept things is not to say that we, we agree with them or even to say that we would never try to change them if we had a chance, you know, right. um, to accept things is to just say that like, is to, to understand that they are the way that they are, right. you know, to, and live in reality. to live in reality and to, and to sort of like be like in line with that, you know? Um, and I think that like, actually it's interesting cause we were talking earlier about like, um, the the injunction to sort of embrace uh, everybody and, and whatever as opposed to tolerance. But this is interesting because I think in AA, it's almost the opposite in an interesting way where in AA, tolerance is kind of about, or 12 steps I should say, tolerance is kind of about loving people that you don't like. Right. You know, and, and so it's about embracing people, but not necessarily liking them, you know? Right. Uh, so it kind of turns it on its head in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, and it says that like, I can love, embrace, and, like, and and really care for um, people and even, like, things and institutions that I want to change, you right. know? Um, or with the institutions, it's a bit different. But, it, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that it's about embracing people's humanity even when they piss you off, yeah. you know? And that, and I think that this, like, that sentence kind of gets at what what I think about this, which is that... Cause like I, I, I do understand. I do understand why some people are like, okay, like we do have to fight. Like we're in dire, we're in dire times, you know? But I'm mm-hmm. also just kind of like, I don't know, ma'am, like how has fighting, at least in the way that we have been doing it, been working? It hasn't been, you know? Um, and is fighting kind of like the only way to conceptualize what organizing is, you know? Right. And I think that part of for me, this conversation around tolerance, is that I'm really interested in In getting at people's shared values Mm -hmm. even when their ideological expression is profoundly different
0: okay what do you mean by that
1: so for example you know I have been taught as a progressive and a queer and a leftist that I should obviously not like conservatives right Mm -hmm. and that everything that conservatives are is obviously oppressive to me Mm -hmm. Um, but if I were to talk to a conservative about what they believe, mm-hmm. um, even the word conservative, like what are what are you trying to conserve, right. right? And a lot of what conservatives, at least from my understanding, are trying to conserve, are things like family values, mm. um, and so you know, me as the good feminist that I have been (laughs) raised to be, I will be like, well, there's family values is expecting me to stay at home and cook dinner for my husband or something. Right. And I can get really mad about that, that that conservatism is like regressive in that it's trying to put women back in the kitchen or something like this. Right. Um, or whatever, it might be hostile to like immigrants because it's trying to preserve like a way of life that is, you know, um, based in like a Christian tradition or something like this. Right. Right. But, but, If I scrape away some of that Mm -hmm. and actually get to the heart of like why, like if I, if if instead of being angry about that, those associations, you know, or that, because basically it's like these people, they believe that, that this structure is going to meet some kind of need. So what is the need? What is the value underneath that? Right. Right. And if the value underneath it is that I want to sit down with my family and eat dinner together Mm -hmm. and talk about our days. Right. I'm like, oh, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like not being alienated as fuck yeah. and and eating takeout while I scroll on my phone, yeah. which to me, I'm like, that is actually a value that I can get down with. It's yeah. like that is an unalienated way of being right. in which you have real relationships, you eat real food, right. you sit together, right, right, you right. talk, yeah. right? And so... People
0: trying to preserve unalienated ways of living.
1: Yeah. And so I'm like, if that is a core fundamental sort of value to a lot of conservatives, if that's right. what they mean when they're saying they're trying to conserve something, mm-hmm. then I'm like, whoa, actually, maybe... We share a lot of values,
0: right? All of a sudden, there's room for for conversation, right?
1: And and maybe to them, like I think there would have to be some some shifting on both sides, you know, for us to be able to and definitely some tolerance on both sides because we're not going to totally agree, yeah, you know. But perhaps to them, you know, in the same way that I get real uptight and feel my like my hair stand on end because I'm like, oh, this means me me going back in the kitchen, you know. To them, they might be like blue hair and a septum piercing, you know, means that. I'm not allowed to have these family dinners or, like, you guys are trying to destroy the family, yeah. you know? Yeah, And so I'm like, no, I'm not actually trying to destroy the family. Um, I'm not. There might be some people out here who are. I'm right. not sure, but I'm personally not. And so I actually would like more family. I'm feeling very alienated out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm feeling very alienated out here. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, does... You know could there be a way of talking to conservatives in which they didn't have to see our freaky uh, options, you know yeah um, as an affront to those values and that right. maybe there could be some common ground there if they didn't see those as like a symbol of like the destruction of the things that they care about right, right. if we if we approached with like curiosity and and like a shared value about that and we were really transparent about that, mm. then there might be more common ground right mm-hmm. yeah and so I think that for me. Very, very often, I think that we get so attached to associations and labels, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, sort of, like, the frills on top, Mm -hmm. some of which is projection, some of which is real, Mm -hmm. that we don't actually get to the heart of, like, our shared humanity, which, you know, as much as I'm saying on the one hand that the idea of flattening meaning-making in a universal way so that we all agree on the big questions about why and how and what and what to believe, like that's not realistic and that's not going to happen and it's not desirable in my opinion. Right. But on the other hand, the things that humans want and need on a basic level are actually pretty simple and pretty universal. Yeah. You know, the the meaning that we make out of them and the giant stories that we tell is really complex, but actually we have so much shared common ground in terms of our basic hum- humanity, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that it's okay to say that we – that we can we can build some kind of like shared consensual reality together, you yeah, know? like where we we definitely don't all have to agree on on everything, even some very important things, but like I do think that we can get people on board with with some some beliefs and some sort of like understandings about society and about the world that can bring us together enough to like start building a something something a bit better than this, yeah,
1: but it's gonna have to it's gonna have to be sort of like what's the bare minimum agreement that we can work with? Yeah. You know, because I actually think people's people really don't agree, like, on the most fundamental questions about, like, for example, what it means to be alive, to have a consciousness, to, to you know, how the world got here, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, it's true. And I don't really need people to agree on those things if we can agree on, you know, what is relevant for us to be able to work together in a way that is respectful and that is, like, allowing everyone um, – the space to be who they are.
0: Yeah. And okay, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent with okay, this. Go on a tangent. Yeah. I think that one of the things that drives both conservatism and um, like right wing extremism, as well as like a lot of left wing thought, is this realization, whether it's conscious or not, that late capitalist neoliberalism neo- um, has no values. It has like no mm. no important shared values, you know? Um and even the kind of like modernist values of like earlier like classical liberalism right. um have kind of been stripped away at this point. And we're just floating.
1: Capitalist realism.
0: Yeah, we're just floating like basically nothing matters. Um the only consensual and when I say consensual I mean like we all kind of agree like shared, like shared values that we have are, they kind of revolve around, like, property relations and, like, you know, the, the right to profit off of the labor of other people or the right to, I guess, get paid if you work, you know. Yeah. And these are the kinds of things that we agree on. Or, like, the right to express yourself in terms of, like, these kind of consumer categories. Yeah. The stuff that you buy, the music that you listen to, whatever. Like, yeah. Or these kind of, like, online personas. Whatever, all of it's mediated through the market. All of it's mediated through money. All of it is controlled by capitalists. Um, none of it speaks to like deep spiritual meaning, yeah, even remotely. Um, and in fact, like spirituality is one of the th- one of the last things that to be like fully commodified. But it's like getting there, yeah. you know. Um, everything is commodified, so we're just floating in this commodified void um, without any values whatsoever. And it's extremely alienating and it feels extremely, extremely bad. You yeah, know?
1: because we are social animals. We deeply need each other and we need meaning because we're meaning makers.
0: Exactly. And so, you know, conservatives are trying to, at least a lot of them believe that they are trying to, you know, bring us back or to preserve some sort of semblance of meaning that we can all agree on, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and right-wing extremists want to push us back even further. Um and a lot of, a lot of people on the left also believe that, you know, that we're, that we need to, you know, have values that go beyond this sort of like, li- like liberal void, but yeah. other people on the left, like a lot of people in the progressive like zone of things, um, really like they, they kind of like cheerlead this, this valueless, right like nothingness, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that that is super alienating to a lot of people. Like people see that and they're like, I don't want any part of that, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think that one of the things that we need to do as socialists, like really like an important fucking mission of ours is to offer a set of beliefs and a set of meanings, um, an ontology, um, if you will, that people can get on board with.
1: I don't agree that it needs to be an ontology. No, really. Because, because it does okay, like I'm like, correct me if I'm literally not using this word correctly. I'm so sorry that I have a master's degree in nonsense. But like ontology is like the beingness of something, right? right? It literally is like how it is, right? And so I would say that like Christians and like non-Christians, for example, like can't share an ontological understanding of the world. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I do agree with you that we can share a, a principled Understanding of the world.
0: Yeah, that's probably a better way of thinking about it. All right, sorry to be a stickler on the ontology question. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I I also have a master's degree um, in not exactly bullshit, but I have never fully understood what the word ontology. Okay, means. I definitely,
1: um, I definitely read a lot about that in my in my. Master's. I feel like
0: people use the word very differently too yeah. in different fields, and depending on what argument they're trying to make. Right. I feel like a lot of people probably don't understand right, what the word ontology means.
1: Of <laughs>
0: Um, I mostly use it as a joke just there. But yeah, like anyways, the point is I believe that socialists can help um, build build up a set of meanings that that can be shared by people, that people can actually feel um, invested in. Right. That they can feel excited about, um, that can give them meaning in their own lives, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see what that could look like if we weren't shooting ourselves in the faces constantly.
1: Yeah. I think principles is really where it's at, right? Because I think, I think meaning it's a bit a step up. Like principles is like a base and meaning is a step above it. And by above, I mean, it's it's more complex, right? And as, as you go more complex, that's where you start having more disagreement and you, ha- you have more diversion, right? Right. And that's fine. I think that, as I said, like I think it's totally fine if, you know, me and a devout Christian get together and we're like, don't agree on how the world was created, don't agree on like where we're going after death, don't agree on like, you know, many of these fundamental things, yeah. but then we're like, do agree on, um, be kind to your neighbor, you know, do agree on whatever, like the principal things of like kindness, um, like generosity, um, you know, even like, even tolerance and live and let live. It's in the Bible, man. It's in there, mm-hmm. you know, yep. um, like casting the first stone in this, right?
0: Yeah. These are important Christian values. And right?
1: so, and there are values that are actually shared, through many, 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 many cultures because they're based on, you know, our our human needs, you know, like they're values that are based on our, their socialist values, you know, they're values that have to do with recognizing the humanity of others, treating others the way that you would like to be treated, mm-hmm. being kind, being considerate, mm-hmm. being thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And like, these are the kinds of values, principles that I would like to see us all championing, championing, is that a word?
0: Championing. <laughs>
1: yeah, championing. Yeah. Um... This is what I would like to see us, um, trying to find common ground on and so much of the other stuff, even big things. I'm like, I think we can, I think we can really leave a lot of room for disagreement. And if we are like disagreeing in a, um, in a generative way, like say for example, we're having a discussion or a debate about policy or about something that should be done. Right. Yeah. I think that a good way of doing that would be to continuously, like, to start by being like, do we share principles? Yeah. And if we do, great, that's amazing. Yeah. And then can we keep coming back to those principles and and discuss how to best meet those principles? Yeah. Right? Totally. And I think we're wasting so much time a lot of the time arguing about the higher up levels when we don't agree on them. But we do agree on the principles right. and we could have more productive and generative disagreements. If, if the question was, is this meeting our principles and, and how, and then if you guys are both like, okay, we both agree on this principle, but we both have really different ideas about how to get there. Right. At least you can see that you're basically on the same page. You just have very different ideas of how to get there, which will make, mean you'll listen Not like that person is your enemy, but this is like the stuff in couples therapy, that it's, it's you and them against the problem instead of you against each other. Yeah. Totally.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: And I think that that's like, that's the direction that I want to be moving in.
0: It makes me, yeah, honestly, I I think about this all the time. Like these, these different like rifts between like Mm -hmm. within different parts of the left, you know, I'm like, we obviously like share like huge, huge sections of our worldview and like our principles are are shared, you know? And it's like, how could we, how could we like you know, overcome those rifts and and come up with like something that could reasonably become a mass movement, Yeah. you know, and we're going to have to do that if we, if we want to continue living on the planet.
1: I don't want to go too far down this thing because it's obviously very controversial and we've been talking for a while, but I was just thinking about this. Um, one of the most divisive topics on in the nexus today is the question of, trans youth and hormones and and puberty blockers and things like this, right? Right. And I've seen people very intensely arguing for and against this, um, including trans people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And people who are fundamentally against transphobia who have very, very different ideas about this question, right? And it's such a heated question. And as soon as anybody is um, saying, you know, like Buck Angel, for example, is saying, hey, I think we um, we should practice more discretion with this, people are like you're transphobic and they get really really mad and it's like the conversation isn't going anywhere right like people are at like a
0: an impasse yeah
1: because they're not able to like they're both they're both really upset and they're both fighting for something that they really believe in but i'm like what is the thing that you guys both really believe in if we strip it all away and i'm like both sides are fundamentally concerned
0: with the safety of with children. the safety of children yeah
1: Like, that's what you guys, this is why it's such a heated topic, because both sides are fundamentally concerned with the well-being and safety of children.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, both are constantly accusing the other of not.
1: Of not caring, right? And I'm like, you know, I think very often people are not arguing in good faith and are not trying to listen to the other side, and that's a problem. We have really been trained out of doing that. But I think that if we could try to practice this thing of being like, okay, both people have a shared concern, Mm -hmm. and they want safety and well-being for gender non-conforming youth. And they're, they have different ideas about how to get there. Then you could have a more generative conversation about how do we get there? Because we have a shared goal, right? Totally. Um, And that's just like one of the many, many issues where I see this playing out, but it's like definitely one of the ones that's like super fucking heated right now and people get really mad.
0: For sure, man. Or like with conservatives, honestly, like I, I, I believe that um, a socialist movement that could one day hold power in North America will have to include millions of conservatives. Like it will just have to, or you could say millions of people who used to consider themselves conservatives, yeah, Or
1: perhaps conservative will come to mean something different as times change. Or
0: they have, you know, they might retain certain, certain ideas that we now think of as conservative, whatever, you know, but it's going to fucking have to include them unless you are going to put them all in fucking work camps in Siberia, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what you guys think, yeah.
0: I don't know. But like, yeah. um, And given that that's the case, like we, we kind of have to start thinking about what what they believe and what they want and and how we can find common ground with them. And, I mean, we've been talking about this a little bit, but I, I do think it's important, so I'm just going to get into it in a little bit. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I was saying that a lot of conservatives want to um preserve, like, non-alienated ways of life. You know, yeah. you were talking about, like, family values and stuff like yeah. that. Now, I do think it's worth pointing out that Um, because I don't want to be, like, too gentle on conservatives. Lots of conservatives don't really know or care about that, and and they're sort of, like, culturally conservative in this way where they're just, like, into, like, NASCAR or, like, whatever. You know what I mean? And might have...
1: Okay, wait. What is NASCAR?
0: NASCAR is like, like racing, like racing okay, cars. Speeding you know. cars. Yeah. Yeah. Cars okay. going faster in okay. a circle. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> People are really into that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they're into like NASCAR and like country music or whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like an aesthetic. It's just part of For the culture. Sure. Okay. war, Right. It's the, it's the Pepsi side of the culture war or the Coke side of the culture. Okay. War, okay. okay. Whatever. Um, and you know, whatever, like, so a lot of conservatives don't have very like deeply held beliefs about like real like family values okay. or whatever. But you some know? do, right? But some do, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just saying that some don't, some yeah. do, and just like on the other side of the culture war, like some people do have like very, I, I, I earlier was like a lot of progressives have no values and don't care about anything, right. but lots of them clearly do. You know? Right. Yeah. Um. But the point is that a lot of people like really do have have deep values around like for example family. Let's say family. Yeah. Community. Yeah. Community is a good one. A yeah. lot of people can get behind it. It's a very vague word, but, like, a lot of people really do care about community because they feel very fucking lonely and yeah. alienated, yeah. right? And so I think that as socialists, like, something that we can say to, let's say, conservatives who are very concerned with community yeah. is to be like, isn't it interesting that the parties that you vote for, yeah. you know, um, whether it's the conservative party or the Republican party whatever, um, are consistently destroying all the means by which communities exist, right. you know, like for, like, you know, shared institutions that hold communities together <laughs> that aren't just like mega churches, yeah. um, are always getting cut by these totally. conservative parties, you know, um, isn't it interesting that like things like after school programs yeah. and stuff like that, that would be, you know, very good for children yeah. who are part of your family, yeah. um, are also always getting cut by these conservative ruling yeah. parties. Yeah. Like what if we had... Programs that helped to knit communities together in much more profound ways, so that we were all like really like living more more interconnectedly, um, and. And had access to, you know, like if our children were, were given access to a lot more ways to grow up, like to be happy and healthy and all this, like, you know, th- there's, there's ways I think that you could really like sell this For and sure. pitch and this to could. conservatives that would make them feel like, Oh, like maybe there's something I'm missing here. Maybe I've been getting fucked over
1: exactly. by
0: both of these parties. Exactly. You know?
1: And that's why I think like Chris Smalls, like, you know, it's, it's not a, a Democrat thing. It's not a Republican thing. It's a workers thing. Like mm-hmm. I think that that stance is like hundred percent how you fucking organize workers. Yeah. And if you want to get if you want to get people on board with like solidarity of the working class like you you show them how socialist policies are in everybody's best interest and the ways in which it can align with their fundamental principles and values.
0: Yeah, totally. I even think that there's things around like, you know, like the value of hard work and entrepreneurialism or whatever that you could even sell that way too, like by talking about co-ops and stuff, you know, it's like if you value like hard work, shouldn't that hard work be shared equally between the people who are working hard? And don't you
1: want your hard work to benefit like your family and, and like your kids and like your community and not be like... Going just to billionaires who are flying around exactly. in space.
0: Exactly. Like,
1: you don't even know those guys, and they're in space, and that's your rocket ship. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that, like, you know, that if you talk to people like that in a way that was, like, respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, can I say something about NASCAR? Because I just learned what it is. Yes. So, all right. So, speeding cars. And
0: <laughs> it's, well, racing cars. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, again, I think that everything we're just saying is true in terms of, like, you know, the principles and the values and the and the meaning. But also, for things that people like to do for fun, you know, yeah. which I'm assuming NASCAR is one of those things,
0: Yeah,
1: that I also think that we can actually look into those things and, first of all, not be judgmental because I think that being, like, judgmental on, like, an aesthetic level is a surefire way to, like, create enemies where you could have comrades right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like I don't fucking care what a person's aesthetic is and if it makes no sense to me at all or I never even heard of it like that doesn't mean anything you know it could be totally cool to them but also I'm like there can be I think it's worth investigating what's going on with NASCAR Like, (laughs) like what is NASCAR fulfilling for people you know what is it fulfilling for people um and like what is going on? And probably it's fun, I'm assuming, you know?
0: I mean, yeah, you get to watch like some crazy you get to go to an event, first of all. Right. And be with other people totally. and you observe something and it's like this crazy kind of thing that you get to watch. You totally. know people have been doing that since we knew how to build fucking arenas. Of course. You know? Um it's entertainment. I mean my hot take on this is that like sports should be fucking nationalized. Right. Um I, I definitely think that we should still have sports. In, in the, the future of socialist world right. and we can have hockey. Yeah, people you know? like to have fun. Um, and you should be able to go watch the hockey game. Yeah. I just don't think that it should, billionaires should open yeah. the fucking teams, you It's know? just
1: like, to me, it's like, obviously I didn't know what NASCAR was. I've heard of it, but like, it's like, I just think that as, in our little nexus bubble, you know, I think that we can be so condemning and judgmental of sort of like, cultural and social norms of people outside of our bubble. Yeah. And I think that we also need to understand how strange the things that we do seem to other people. For example, <laughs> stick and pokes. Like, I feel like stick and pokes is like equivalent to NASCAR. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell are we doing, right? It's like totally normal in our subculture for us to just constantly, like people who have no t- skill or background in tattooing, to just like stab each other with needles and ink and give give each other like vaguely really bad tattoos. Yeah. And we all love that, you know? True, we do. And so, and that's fine. You know.
0: By the way, I started doing stick and pokes <laughs> um, for real though. So yeah, if anybody Jay- uh, if anybody needs a tattoo, you can come yeah. uh, come to me.
1: Yeah, Jay's really actually quite good for a beginner. Thank you. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a tangent, but I just think that yeah, I think that like part of tolerance is also curiosity right yeah um and and being able to be like wow that's something that is like really different from me and it's something that you know maybe i disagree with maybe i don't totally understand but instead of approaching it with condemnation and just like fuck you being like what is going on for these people how is this functioning and the the assumption if you start with the assumption that this human being by virtue of being a human being fundamentally has more in common with me than not yeah because we are humans Mm -hmm. then It starts to open up the question of like, okay, so this human being is like different from me in so many ways, but they're so fundamentally the same as me that like, what are these different ways that they are like, how, what does that mean for them? Like, what is that fulfilling for them? Yeah. And what is fulfilling in them is something that also exists in you because you're both humans. So like, it's fulfilling something in them that exists in you that you're fulfilling in a different way. Right. And so if you can approach it like that, it's like, okay, things start to become less, alien and actually can become more, um, approachable and you can actually start to be curious. Um, yeah. And I think also like, you know, understanding that just like how we as like Nexons or progressives or like whatever can be like hostile to, you know, cultural things that we find weird or that we think represent conservatism, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, people are, like, afraid of things that are, that are different and that they think have, like, symbolically, like, the thing symbolically represents something that is against you, right? Yeah. And so people on the other side of the aisle feel the same way about us. They're frightened. They don't understand what the hell is going on with the stick and posts. you know?
0: <laughs> it's true. They don't. It's true.
1: And so we can offer grace to that, too. And I think, like, um, you know, there's there's like a... um. There's an idea that comes out of like couples therapy um, that I think is relevant to the culture war, Mm. um, which is basically like, you know, when you realize that you're caught up in a dysfunctional cycle in your relationship, you know, you can sort of be like, okay, I have figured it out. I understand that we're caught up in a dysfunctional cycle and neither of us are seeing each other and you can sort of like tell the other side and be like. I'm hoping that you will change, and then once you've changed, then things will be better. You know, and like I'll change too, but we both have to change, and you have to start now because I've realized that this is this is happening. Like the like the other person in the relationship is like, okay, like I have no idea what you're talking about. I might not be there. Like I don't necessarily trust you because like we've been caught in this conflict. Like right. you know, like are is this in good faith? Is this another attempt at trying to control me? I still feel threatened. Like there's a lot right. of that kind of stuff, right? right? So in couples therapy, what they suggest is that if you've noticed that how your behavior is contributing to a negative cycle, that you start by changing your behavior, right? Right, You start to change the way that you're relating. And then you can actually see that that has an effect on the relationship, right? Over time, because it's not you being like, I'm demanding now that I've had this revelation that you also should have this revelation, but it's modeling the behavior and showing that you're approaching the other person in a different way. Right. Right. And so I think that we can extrapolate this. To a political context and be like, you know, if we want tolerance from conservatives, you know, perhaps we should start practicing tolerance. Yes. You know?
0: Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: So, do you have anything else to say on tolerance?
0: just that we need to tolerate nascar um
1: <laughs> do we know i don't know enough about nascar to say i can wholesale sign like co-sign that
0: yeah, we need to we need to embrace nascar
1: i mean maybe like we, we need, need to
0: unionize nascar
1: i'm just wondering what the environmental impact of nascar but
0: oh nascar should all be made electric
1: <laughs> <laughs> possibly yeah. electric
0: nascar yeah. <laughs>
1: To be honest, like can't speak on it. I don't know enough about it. I do have concerns, but I'm keeping an open mind, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's most of the, it's, yeah. it's probably a good place to end it.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Thanks for listening
0: to our ranting about tolerance.
1: Yeah, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Um, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash canceled. Get your fucking cancelled merch at fuckingcancelled.bigcartel.com. Oh. And we'll see you guys next time.
0: See you next time.